We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 1,380 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, alongside uh, fan favorite. You know him, you love him. Somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? I've had, uh, in the words of Kevin Bloody Wilson, an absolute of a day. You did tell me about it earlier this afternoon, and I yeah, we, we, you, we, you we won't sympathies. we won't we won't bore the listeners, but yeah, um, actually, they're all first world problems. They're, they're nothing serious. Like it's not like I've gone hungry. I've just had a massive dinner. Uh, Dauphinois potatoes, steak pie, uh, peas. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I've just had a really good dinner, and I'm not working tomorrow. Although I have been working rather hard today, so yeah, I can't complain really. How about you, mate? I don't have too many complaints other than the fact that uh, today is the winter solstice. I'm happy about that. Uh, so that's not really a complaint, I guess. So that's, that's a yeah, good thing. Shortest day of the year. However, it felt like the longest one for me for reasons that we discussed earlier. Indeed. Is that some orange juice you're drinking there? It is actually, yes. Oh, interesting. Get me okay. vitamin C in. I haven't taken yeah. any tablets today, uh -huh. so I've not okay. taken no supplements. Right. Well, today we're not going to get into the usual. Well, yeah, the usual, but it's not like this is not going to be one of the, um, you know, the, the longer. I don't even know if we'll do the full hour. Maybe we will. I, I don't know. But we, we just kind of thought we would sit down and, and just shoot the proverbial because of the holiday time off and everything. So uh, numbers are starting to wind down and everything. And all the big podcasters and everybody, they've already gone home for the year. So uh, we're just going to do some house uh, cleaning. Uh, lightweights. Lightweights. Yeah, you need yeah, to push on through. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You've um, got to turn up every day ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And we try to, uh, unless, of course, we have pressing circumstances and we just can't make it. So, I mean, sometimes yeah. that happens. Like I said, we were going to go this afternoon and we ended up not doing that because you had a, a hell of a day. Yeah. So that... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that changed. So, but that's okay. But uh, this evening, that's that's fine. We got a uh, shooting in Prague. Do you want to start there? All I've seen is a is a brief clip on the um, early evening news, and yeah, I think it's fifteen dead plus the shooter, so sixteen in total. Uh, fifteen, including the sh uh, the shooter, I think. But uh, yeah, he um, it, supposedly the shooter shot himself and fell off of a building at the same time, which is interesting. It's it's like it's like the um, the Epstein guy with the Clintons that wrapped an electrical cord around his neck, then died of a shotgun blast to his chest, but they never found a shotgun. It was ruled a suicide. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, 
people are getting their buttons pushed, aren't they? I am by no means excusing this horrible, you know, attack. It's an atrocity, whichever way you look at it. But there's so many people around at the moment, probably myself included, who are ready to, I don't know, just let society know how badly we feel about it. By society, I mean our politicians, about our our bankers, our medical healthcare professionals that have been complicit. There's a lot of people now on the list. The list used to be very small. It's expanding it's all one. the time. It is yeah. a long one. And I was uh, I was having that conversation with somebody a uh, few weeks ago, and I said, you know what? I, wait, I'm, I'm not going to get into that here on air because we you know we have terms of service, so we kind of have to be careful with that. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it's one of those conversations you just you have that are, the public are not pervy to. But yeah, these types of measures that were taken over the last three and a half to four years, and I'm including all of the COVID uh, debacle. There's going to be accountability for that, and it's going to be done legally and lawfully, and it and it will happen one way or another. That is going to happen, and these people know it. Well, they know that. That's a possibility, but I think they think it's a very slim possibility because so many other things have to have gone wrong for them for that to happen. First of all, our vastly uneducated masses who haven't seen through this stuff need to be convinced um, if they haven't already been neutered, chemically neutered by, you know, the the mRNA stuff. It's proper tinfoil hat territory but that ted talk where gates said about removing the gene that uh, causes aggression and wouldn't it be wonderful if if there was you know people didn't get aggressive but it's also the gene that gives you the drive to achieve something helps you use stress and turn it into getting shit done so if and i know ned looked further into the next developments about um, self-amplifying ribonucleic acid, uh, the SA, uh, SA mRNA uh, stuff. It, it, the, the more it's they insane. they make, it's yeah, insane. yeah. The more they make of this this stuff, the more chances that they're going to want to use it. They probably already do want to use it. And what are they going to use it for? Is it going to be an irreversible gene therapy that switches off and changes your makeup? You know, the way in which you, even the way in which you think. Because if you've got no adrenaline, testosterone, and the other hormones uh, related to stress, tension, um, anxiety, then, then you really are a Stepford wife for one, you know, regardless of gender, you are, you are one of these drones and, and that's, that could be what they're planning. I'm that just, they, I'm yeah, just you're hazarding a guess. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're hazarding a guess. But if, if you go back and you read some of these articles that we covered about people that uh, were the part of these think tanks with the World Economic Forum, where they were talking about um, the the, uh, the perfect city. It's the year's 2030. I have no privacy. I, I don't own anything, and I've never been happier, if you remember that. We talked you, about You that. would have to be chemically adjusted yes. to yes. live in that kind of environment. So if that was one of their imaginings for the future, as, as they were titled, then whoever was imagining it had to get into that headspace of being totally passive, compliant, obedient, subservient, and willing to put up with all kinds of crap. Uh, and the only way that's ever going to happen for me, um, well, it's never going to happen for me. I, I, I 
I just would not, I would not put up with it. But so many people are so passive that they will put up with it. But as I was saying, because we started talking about the Prague shooting, um, there's so many people, fewer people, but they're still getting their buttons pressed to such an extent. And it doesn't matter what side of the fence they come down on. They are being driven into action through through mental illness in, in most cases. I mean, those sick f***s of Hamas, sorry, that was a beep, with the attacks, yeah? yeah. Um, they had to be hyped up to a very deranged state in order to commit those kind of acts. Aren't they in a constant state of that? I've lived in, a, in and amongst Muslim people in their own countries for a number of years and that is not how most of them are. That no, 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 really I, no, 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 no. That, that, no, that's not what I meant. I meant like the, the, the radical jihadist types. The, these type, they're in a constant state of, of just whipped up frenzy and, and hatred. You, you, you'd like to believe that, wouldn't you? But in most cases, that's, that's not how anybody is. If you look at soldiers, soldiers getting ready to go on an operation, they know they're going to have to drop the hammer on, on somebody, but the the weekend before that, when you know, before they shipped out, yeah, they were at nice, home yeah. with their families. Yeah, yeah. They, they were being normal, and it's that transition. So people are getting their buttons pressed to make them into monsters. And this guy in Prague, he he's ruined fourteen other families' lives tonight. Um, he shot his own father before he left to commit his mass shooting. And he's he's ruined fourteen families' lives. And it remains to be seen how much we're going to hear that uh, it was uh, whatever uh, gun restrictions or whatever gun laws they have in that country, they'll have to put more restrictions on it. If it, I don't I don't know what the checks have as far as like you know fire. I know they make some good ones, but um, yeah. I don't know what it's it's like uh, about uh, private gun ownership over there. But I'm sure that they'll be using that as a political wedge. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure it will be because they don't want people who will stand up for themselves to have effective ways of defending their themselves and their property. Certainly in the UK, we haven't. We've already lost that battle. We don't have a Second Amendment, and therefore we've got very little. So this is the guy, yeah? Yeah, he's been identified as uh, David Kozak is his name. Not Dan, it was it was David. I was close. David Kozak, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um... Uh, must be his driving license photograph because it's must got be, yeah. no no expression, no emotion on the face. There ain't a great deal more I can say on on that matter. It's, no, it's, it's, no. It's the, well, the, the media is being very um, very quiet about it. They're just kind of reporting on the basics of whatever it is, and then everything else has kind of been uh, very quiet. So I, I'm assuming that they're going to leave it. So on over to the Middle East. You talk about Hamas, okay? Well, uh, let's talk about the uh, the Houthi rebels out of uh, Yemen. They have been. Quite busy in the Red Sea, haven't they? Yeah, well, it's a nice time of year. The weather's beautiful this time of yes. year around there. Yes, it's so. Um, so you know, it, it's prime campaign weather. Uh, yeah, um, and I've got a sneaky suspicion that the Houthi are not just Yemeni nationals. If you remember what happened in Iraq with the insurgency from neighbouring countries, with yes. the, after the invasion. Uh, and after you know Saddam had got been got rid of, there was still many years of fighting off an insurgency, and um, I think that's probably what's happening within Yemen. I think they're getting flooded by 
other fundamentalists only too keen to um, to join in. So yes, and you've got Hezbollah that are mobilizing in the north in Lebanon as well. There was a call to that yesterday, and I I did see that the UK, the US, the French, and the Germans have, we have, and the Italians and the Dutch we have all, we have ordered all of our citizens to and uh, contractors and whatever we have in. Uh, let me see. Okay, so US, UK. Let me get this right. US, UK. France, Germany, request all their citizens and nationals leave the following countries immediately. Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't have wanted to be in Yemen. You've got to be seriously no. greedy uh, to, to be in Yemen in the first place at the yeah. moment. And now we've got headlines like this popping out of Bloomberg. This came out uh, last night, just as I was heading off for the evening. U.S. ways rather to attack Houthi rebels in Yemen. Uh, the question is rather to hit a militant group in its base in Yemen. The Saudis are among those worried about provoking a wider war. Well, why are we allowing this to escalate? Uh, this is a it's a proxy group that's that's funded by and backed by Iran, and Iran is a client state of who? Russia. Of Russia. Yeah. So why why are we allowing this to continue? And this this multi multi-nationed uh, whatever maritime task force that they're putting together, this operation, uh, whatever in the hell this thing's called. Uh, uh, hold on. What's the name of it? I don't have the name of it. But anyway, they're, they're putting together this, um, this. do I have video of this? Yeah, here we go. Uh, this was the U.S. State Department uh, yesterday. And I'm just going to put it out there on record. I don't like this guy. The Houthis' reckless attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea threaten the free flow of commerce in the region's vital waterways, endanger innocent ship workers, and are a flagrant affront to international law. Simply put, these attacks threaten global prosperity. Yesterday, the Department of Defense announced the establishment of Operation Prosperity Guardian, a multinational security initiative focused on advancing security in the Red Sea in the face of this threat. We welcome the participation of our allies and partners, the United Kingdom, Bahrain, Canada, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway, Seychelles, and Spain in confronting the threat. In addition, the United States, High Representative Joseph Borrell on behalf of the European Union, NATO Secretary... Not... No, I said in addition to the United States. Yeah, in addition to the United States. Um, uh, NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg on behalf of NATO and a group representing 44 partner nations will soon release a joint statement condemning the Houthis' ongoing and numerous attacks on merchant vessels. The growing list of attacks includes the Houthi-led seizure of the Galaxy Leader, whose crew, hailing from the Philippines, Bulgaria, Ukraine, Mexico, and Romania, remain unjustly detained. We once again call for the crew's immediate and unconditional release. There is no justification for these attacks on global commerce, and we hope the world will join us in condemning these attacks and working to stop them. Our collective efforts remain open for additional countries to join in the crucial mission of defending the free flow of commerce in the Red Sea. Yeah, I don't like him either. Uh, This is another situation where somebody gets to profit. There isn't a single thing that happens on a global scale where someone doesn't make a few billion. And we've already got all of the shipping freight going round the Horn of Africa. And now if you cut out the, you know, the Indian Ocean uh, as well, because it's too dangerous for shipping to go into, whoever is getting to move their goods around is is obviously making the money. But yeah, I mean, look at that. That is a ridiculously much longer journey. So stuff coming out of the, the Dutch ports and I mean, what are the main ports? You've got um, Rotterdam, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamburg. Well, Hamburg, you know, London, up in course, the Baltic, yeah. London. And instead of going down the southwestern approaches, through the Straits of Gibraltar, across the Med, down through from, from Port Said through to the other end of Suez, and across into the Far East. Instead of that, they're going right the way around the Horn of Africa. It's taking longer. Um, it's using more fuel. And, and it's reducing the amount of goods that people can buy in their shops. And we talked about last week when you were on that the Panama Canal is suffering a drought this time of year, so they're not able to get ships through there either. Yeah, I don't know why that would be suffering any kind of a drought. It is surrounded on either side by rainforests, and there's divertible rivers that can keep the Panama Canal topped up to the level it needs to be. So well, the I, Chinese, the Chinese say that they don't want to risk it. So you know that you have to pay attention to the things that they that they say because they have a lot of influence down there now. Well, as that's the only country that's manufacturing anything, I suppose that's quite significant and important, yes. and everyone has to pay attention. Yes, and you know what else is important and significant about China? You know what they did today? They have. Shut down this now for a national security issue. Of course, this is this is being reported by uh, Chinese state media. We didn't touch it. Our our media has not touched it. China has banned the export of technologies for processing rare earth elements due to a national security concern. Yeah, yeah um, all of those rare earth elements that we're talking about are the ones used that we talked about a while back. I did some research while I was on holiday in Catalonia and looked at the production of the doping agents for silicon uh, to make chips, to, ma- to make uh, electronic processors and chips. And, you know, we don't need to buy them from China because we have aluminium smelting plants, which is all of that material is mostly byproducts from the uh, production of aluminium. Uh, or aluminum. I can't even say it the way you guys say it. That's because we don't have an extra U in there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, we've got to stop listening to anything that China says. We've got, we just need to cut, cut them off at the knees. And the way to cut them off at the knees is stop doing business with them. And then if it does provoke an expansion uh, into their neighboring countries, at least we know where we stand at the moment. No one realizes that we're at war and we have been at war for quite some time. And the way in which they're fighting this war is by destroying our economies. Talking of economies, and uh, this, this is something I want to come on to later. A couple of days ago, we were talking about uh, entertainment and prediction and The Simpsons, for instance. Yeah. And how often The Simpsons seem to accurately predict what's going to happen. Now, I don't know where I saw this. I may have seen it on YouTube. It might have just popped up. But you've heard of the uh, the publication, The Economist? I have yes, I don't like it, but yes, I I have. Have you seen Have you seen a cover? I want you to look this up because I can't see terribly well on my phone, and I'm too much of a luddite to search to get the picture up while I'm talking and looking at you. So I want you to search for the Economist: A Rough Guide to Hell, and you, it'll go to the images and it'll come up with the front cover of the economist and i think it's from 2011 it's the special holiday double issue by the way there you go now in the middle there's there is so much can you see the date on that by the way 
it says December 22nd, which is almost to the day. And actually, when yeah. this comes out, it'll be that uh, 2012. 2012, sorry. Yeah, January 4th, uh, 2013. So in, within that week there. Okay. At the top, underneath the title, Rough Guide to Hell, what can you see? The underneath two things Underneath the title, you've got yeah. two devils or two paragliders in the shape of devils yeah fighting each other if you have a look at what it what it says on on the one on it says hamas and the other one's wearing an idf uniform yeah it's well that's Netanyahu specifically yeah and so on it was december the 7th wasn't it the december um, 22nd or no um october the 7th attack october October i'm losing it sorry yeah october the 7th was the attack and the attack on the pop concert was conducted in hang gliders, paragliders. It was. And that is depicting Hamas attacking Israel with paragliders in 2012. But also, if if um, anyone, any of our listeners, just looks up this image of the front cover of The Economist from December the 22nd, 2012, and and just look uh, all of the predictions that are in that great big, uh, well, I suppose you'd call it, it's cartoon really, isn't it? It's um, caricature. And somehow they were that accurate with, with their predictions. You've got a machine next to Satan there that says climate change. Climate change, yeah. Yeah. You got the uh, Euro the, tanking down the river of blood being uh, yep. paddled by the uh, by the devil there. Exactly. And I came across another video today of a guy talking about, well, is there is that exact words, and you'll need the bleep button, were, if you lot don't realise that some serious shit is going down, you're f***ing mad. Um, and you need to be stocked up and tooled up. Tooled up in terms of you need to be able to defend yourself. And the first film that he was talking about was White Noise, which almost identically depicts the derailment of the train on the banks of the Ohio River and the massive pollution with that vinyl Vinyl chloride. chloride. Yeah. Yeah, vinyl chloride. And he said the reason he's made this video in the last couple of days to sort of say this is because he watched another film on Netflix, other streaming services are available, and he just felt like they're trying to warn us. And that film's called Leave the World Behind, uh, stars Julia Roberts. And I just started watching it before I came out because I had to see what he meant. And I've I've paused it at the moment. But it's one of those truly scary films if you start to join the dots up. I've heard about this film. I've not seen this, but I, I've heard about it. I've been hearing people talk about it. Uh, it was produced by the Obamas. I don't know if you're aware of that fact. Uh, so but... Leave Tomorrow Behind was produced yes. by the Obamas. Yes. Yes, it was. Right. Okay. Uh, the uh, uh, the one the other one you were talking about, White Noise. I've heard of that, and I, maybe I've even seen that. I'm not sure. I I don't know. It's but it, the name sounds familiar. Uh, but anyway, this one that that you're talking about on Netflix is very popular right now. The uh, the World Left Behind or whatever it is. Everything is is basically. Um, for lack of a better term, there were 200 years in the past. More or less, it's um, it's like a total blackout, total grid down scenario. 
And what was interesting, I, I've heard about this, was uh, the entirety of uh, satellite communication was go- would go down too. That would play a very big part in knocking out command and control infrastructure for the power-hungry, greedy bastards that are trying to grab control of everything, because that's how yeah. they're going to communicate. But the film itself... It starts off with this family going to like a high-end Airbnb. They've paid yeah. a couple of thousand dollars uh-huh. for a week's rental of this place by the coast. So they've left New York. They've gone to this place called Comfort Point. And they're in this enormous, gorgeous house with a swimming pool. And then the kids want to go to the beach. So the husband and wife take their teenage son and they their younger teenage daughter down to the beach and having a great time but this ship is getting closer and closer and closer and suddenly they're all lying there just sunbathing half asleep when they realize that ship is too close and it just plows straight into the beach it's a a full-size oil tanker and it's just plowed into the beach no navigation but then again you see also, for when when the guy who owns the house turns up in the middle of the night because there's a complete blackout everywhere and he doesn't want to drive into the city, so he comes to his own house, um, even though he knows he's got renters there, he goes out the next day to try and find... Sorry, spoilers alert. He goes out next day to try and find uh, how his neighbours are. His neighbours are a few miles down the road. And when he walks through their property onto their beachfront... There's chaos. There's what looks like to have been several aircraft have just nosedived they into with an EMP. Well, no, they wouldn't. That's the thing. Well, no? The, the, no, the ship wouldn't. As soon as the ship realised that its autopilot had sent them in the wrong direction or was telling them to do things that were, you know, going to harm the ship, then they would have taken over. They would have stopped all engines. Right, so the ship, I understand. But the aircraft that with all their electronics and things, you would know this, the answer to this question. So that is a good question because I've heard heard people talk about this before. And they say that if we were to suffer an EMP, as in like a nuclear detonation, say like 50 miles over, you know, wherever, Paris, London, it doesn't matter. Right, Kansas, Nebraska, it doesn't matter. But if you've got a nuclear detonation that high up, which I don't put past Russia, China, or North Korea, I've heard several different cases where people say that uh, you would have all the airliners that are in the air currently, they would just simply fall out of the sky because they're they, so dependent no, they, on electronics. They, no, they, they wouldn't just fall out of the sky. They are dependent on electronics. So the premise in the film was they were all crash landing or crashing into the same area, which, of course, they might get directed by a beacon that's got its own sustainable power supply if they still had working receivers on board. So if you're in the air and you get a high altitude nuclear explosion, if your electrics go out, then chances are you are really going to struggle because... Uh, you know, the the hydraulics to operate the um, ailerons and and the, the, you know, the basically ways of steering and manoeuvring the aircraft um, are probably powered by, as in the pumps to keep the hydraulic pressure up, are powered by electric motors. So, yes, they probably would fail. But for all of these aircrafts to crash in the same place says that their electrics were working. 
to some extent. And they wouldn't just nosedive into land. They are trained, always in a simulator, obviously, because you, you can't just train people to land on water. It's too expensive. So they train in a simulator to do landings at sea. In fact, you hear of these aircraft landing on roads when they've uh, overshot the airport, run out of fuel, need to get down on a road. Small aircraft can do that. Great big airliners have to land on water. So they are, if they're not going to land on a runway, they, so they're, they're trained to head for the nearest body of water uh, and, and then bring it down gently. Even helicopter pilots know how to auto-rotate. So if they're falling out of the sky, they know just the right point to flare the props, you know, the, uh, the, the propeller blades of the, of the helicopter to make that impact as, as light as possible. So, yeah, there's a lot of scary stuff in that film that did just I hear you wouldn't say, happen. Did I, did I hear you say that there were also cars that were being driven? If there was an EMP, that wouldn't happen either. At least not with the modern ones, the real, the really modern yeah, cars. Yeah, so, so in, the, in the context in the film is it's not an EMP, it's a cyber attack. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. So a cyber attack could indeed shut off the feed from our satellites because there, there's an uplink, yes. uh, terrestrial uplink that yes. is um, there to control them uh, and and indeed receive information from them. But yeah, the, from an EMP perspective, yes, if you're in the air and you lose your electrics, you are going to come down pretty fast. But if you've still got some form of control, then the pilots are trained, obviously, to land on the largest, nearest body of water that they can find. There's a lot of talk these days about uh, cyber attacks and, and things of that nature. I, I don't, again, I, I don't put it past any of the, um, uh, the agendas that we see now. I, I do believe that there is a large one coming somewhere. I don't know when, I don't know where, I couldn't even hazard a guess, but I would say it is in the not too distant future, uh, especially when you've got things like this. They put films like this out and other ones like you've mentioned to, I don't know, more or less desensitize people, if that, you know, anesthetize them to, to kind of get them used to the concept and the idea that this is uh, a reality that could happen. I, I just, I see that in even if it's in a limited uh, limited form and you know just small in scope, they just need a little bit of chaos, as we saw with COVID. Just a little bit. They don't they don't need to do everything. They just need a little bit. If they knocked out, I don't know, let's say uh, water and electricity. Okay, just those two things, right? Just water and electricity. That's going to affect obviously all the other services and critical infrastructure. But just to put this into perspective, in your opinion, let's go. I don't know, 72 hours. Okay, so three days. Let's go 72 hours of the city of London with no water or electricity. What would it look like? It would be a war zone. Yes, I agree. You'd have people killing each other to get any water, food, batteries. Um, that's just one city. That's one city yeah, in the UK. Yeah, that is not that is not all the other places. That's just one city. Within After the first 24 hours... All of the little supermarkets in in London within the city would have been completely looted and emptied. Uh, as soon as the cameras and power is off, then people will start to go mad uh, and and act in a very criminal way. It, yeah, it wouldn't take long at all. After seventy two hours, it would look it it would be burning. It it would be you. You really would be taking your life into your own hands to venture out on the streets because gangs, there's already gangs in, in London. There's gangs everywhere. 
I encountered a gang this morning, actually, while I was driving. Yes, in an unfortunate end, they met after you encountered them, I'm sure. No, 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 they, they obviously... There was a murder near here, um, not very far from where I'm sitting. I had nothing to do with it. It was um, gang and drugs related. I like how you put that little disclaimer in there. Yeah, and the victim, who was also not a victim, if you know what I mean, was buried today or cremated or whatever. And I had occasion to drive into town and I realised the traffic was heavy. And then when I got to a certain roundabout, I saw why. Three motorcyclists had um, covered the the roundabout to stop all traffic on it, waiting for a, um, a procession of the hearse, the cars with the families in, plus about another 100 bikers. 50 in front, 50 behind, to cross over on this roundabout. And normally when I see a funeral procession, I'm very respectful. And I started even to sit up straight, turn my radio off, until I realised who and what it was that was crossing in front of me. And and I that's when I got rather annoyed. But um, even though with those kind of odds are too many even for me, I'm afraid. So I just sat there and, and waited until they'd gone past. But yeah, London, 72 hours without electricity and water, war zone. I can certainly picture that. And that, you know what? That goes for any city. That goes for Berlin, Frankfurt, Munich, uh, Paris, you know, God help us, uh, these types of things. So, I mean, it's it, it's not just water and electricity. It's everything else, all the other services that are affected. And again, if you can just do that in one or two cities, that's all they need. Just a little bit of chaos. Yeah. And we're being alarmist now. I mean, just saying it is going to worry people. But the only thing you can do is prepare yourself. And maybe you're right. Maybe that's what these these warnings from Hollywood, uh, you know, the filmmakers, the producers are all about. They're about sort of getting people into the mindset. But I wouldn't I don't see why a couple as corrupt and involved in all of this crap as the Obamas would put their money into such a movie. I can't fathom that out. I, I have no answer there. I've, I've got nothing clever. No exactly. No for once, when I say, I don't know, I really don't know. Here's one for you. Oil has obviously skyrocketed. I know we're kind of jumping back here, but this just actually, this just broke. So oil has obviously gone up because of the operations that have been halted in the Red Sea. You've got several companies, shipping companies, Maersk is one of them, uh, a shipping company, out, major shipping company out of Hamburg, all the Israeli uh, shipping companies, they've all shut down operation, Red Sea operations, and they've diverted their traffic around the Horn of Africa, like we were talking about around the Cape of Good Hope. Now, Oil obviously shot up, right? Because you're now. It's what's what's interesting about this is the uh, the Houthis that have attacked and seized these uh, these vessels. Oddly enough, you know they've let Russian oil tankers go through with no problem at all. It's it's That's strange. probably because the Russian oil tankers have got lots of Wagner rapists yes. <laughs> and murderers with AK-47s and perhaps even better equipment uh, ready to repel them. Yes. Well, that's true. Or uh, rearm them. I'm not sure which one it is. Or it could be both. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, as I said before on the podcast, I know people who are involved in maritime security and they do go onto these big, slow tankers, particularly when they are navigating narrow stretches of water. They may not be on board all the time. But when they're close to land and close to operating areas, for instance, of the Somali pirates, the Malaysian pirates, and now indeed the Houthi, um, 
they're there and ready to defend because these aren't large scale attacks. These are not corvettes or destroyers or frigates pulling up alongside them. Um, it's it's small boat, fast attack craft. We used to call them bog hammers. Was the the NATO reporting name is not bog hammers. Uh, the bog hammers, yeah. yeah. So, so these little fast boats with a dushka on the front and people armed with RPGs, which can, if they get close enough, do serious damage to to a modern warship because modern warships are not particularly armoured. They're not like the old ironclad dreadnoughts of the of the nineteen hundreds and through the Second World War. They're lightweight, they're uh, fuel efficient, they're smaller. And so a, a small fleet of fast boats armed with small arms and, you know, handheld artillery, for want of a better word, can do a lot of damage. But if you've got a dedicated crew on board firing from a cover point and it'll always be down, it's always better to fire downhill at someone than fire uphill. So from the you know the ship sides, from the bridge wings, they take up points of cover and they can usually deal with these little boats. But if they're not on board and our ships that are supposed to be out there to protect civilian shipping are nowhere near, it's it's game on for the for the pirates. Indeed. Well, this is a little bit of a wild card. I'm not quite sure what to make of this yet, but Angola. Angola is, uh, well, it, it's an oil-rich nation, and it's called the uh, the gas station of Africa for China. I didn't know if you were aware of that or not, uh, but they have, a, they have a lot of oil down there. They're also an OPEC uh, nation. I didn't know if you're aware of that. Well, they have just announced this afternoon that they are leaving OPEC. That's quite a shock. They're going into bricks, are they? I don't know. Uh, they haven't said, but they've just said that they are going to be leaving. Um, so you've got the the African OPEC members are the following countries, Angola, Congo, and Nigeria. And they have been forced, supposedly, to take a lower output for the next year. So Angola has just said, no, sorry, we're not doing it. Uh, and why are they being forced to take, you know, to, to, to reduce the amount that it's just to keep the price, the price higher? High. Which Russia yeah. needs high oil prices if it because we, we've been watching their economy, we've been watching their central bank, we've been watching their interest rates. They are not in a good place economically, and that is not reported in our media at all. And they need a higher oil price. They need a higher export price. So they need to start choking off the supply somewhere in order to drive that price up. I mean, not so long back, they were actually paying people to take crude away. They, they were more or less giving it away and paying people to ship it to refineries because they'd, they'd overproduced and the, the price of a, a barrel just dropped and dropped and dropped. So what's it up to now, have you any idea? Normally we've got Bruce. We used to have Bruce to look these these kind of things up. Right, so crude oil prices right now are at $73 a barrel. Yeah, uh, and just before it started to plummet, they went up to about 128 a barrel. So yeah, and it's uh, that is a that is a lower price, I, I have to say, uh, and it's of course it's tumbled a little bit today on on the the news of Angola actually leaving OPEC. Yeah, so that that price has dropped even further. But um, if you've got a customer who's going to take as much uh, everything that you can produce, like China, for instance, then uh, you're going to keep selling. You're not going to cut down your your production because 
You know, your infrastructure is already there. Your wellheads are there. Your storage tanks are there. Your, your pipeline to your ports to put it into the tankers is already there. If you stop producing, that stuff still needs to be paid for and maintained. So Angola are probably saying, screw you, OPEC. We're not playing your game and we'll keep selling to China. Yes. And of course, Beijing would love that. You know, they're going to need they are quite thirsty for uh, for oil there. And of course, they just inked a new deal. I believe it was with Venezuela not too long ago uh, for for an oil deal with them. Uh, and of course, the uh, the Venezuela and Guyana situation, they say that that's all about oil. And we know that the China wants to get their hands on that as well. Well, it, it just shows you that, um, you know, our globalist elite, uh, and I use that term totally sarcastically, are encouraging us into renewables into solar that are not not renewable that are not renewable the short you did with ned the other day i had a friend round last night because i discussed with ned what he was going to talk about on the short and this is it monda minimums the yeah also known as the grand solar minimum yeah yeah Uh, and i was i was i asked this chap who was round last night because he he's a a a meteorological expert and a, a physicist and an ex-naval officer. His branch was the Met branch, as in meteorological branch. And I asked him if he'd ever heard of the Maunder Minimum, and he'd, he'd not. But then we started talking about all of the dynamics of the solar system. My son and I started to sing the song from Monty Python from The Meaning of Life, which is just remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving and revolving at 900 miles an hour, orbiting a star so it's reckoned at 90 miles a second, the sun, which is the source of all our power. But what it was also talking about was the precession. As the Earth moves around the sun, there is a... 24,000 year precession. Uh, precession, uh, angular momentum, and rigidity in space are all properties of a gyro or a spinning body. So, precession is if you tilt it, it turns. If you turn it, it tilts. So, if you imagine, you know, those toy gyroscopes that people used to have before computer games, as this thing's spinning, if you tilt it, you'll see it will change direction of its turn. So, to cut a long story short, the Earth has been tilting away, sorry, towards the sun for 12,000 years. We are now going to start tilting slightly away. So we're entering this cooling period. Just as they're talking about global warming, we're actually entering a cooling period that's going to last about 12,000 years. So... The, the very concept that um, they're going to sell us and string us out on uh, sources of energy that just don't work right when we're going to get start to get colder again and the planet is going to get colder um, is, is not doing uh, you know the average person uh, any favors. So they're still focusing their attention back to fossil fuels. And, you know, they've discouraged nuclear. So there's there's fewer and fewer nuclear plants being built, which is a, a constant source of clean, uh, as clean as it can get, really, energy. All I can see is they are so hypocritical, and they, they are hypocritical because there's a plan to it. And the plan is they don't need us anymore. They've got AI that can work out how to operate the automated machinery that will produce all their things. They're making moves to 
make foodstuffs out of deconstructed down to monomer level, you know, uh, petrochemicals. They're going to make things out of the very base level of molecular science. They don't need us anymore. Harari has said it. And I, I actually think we're being a bit unfair to him because whilst he's obviously a sociopath and uh, an effete snob, he's actually telling the truth. What are they going to do with all the useless people? Because they're going to make us useless. And the fact is that they aren't going to do anything with us. They're going to let us starve, freeze and bump us off with snake oil. So... That you know, it it's it's a long term. It's a very long term plan. I'd like to know what drives them because they're not going to live that long. It's not going to be personal unless they know something we don't, which of course they probably do. I have heard the theory that they believe. I'm not trying to get conspiratorial here. I'm just saying that I've heard the theory that they believe, as in like the, the Noah Harari types, these types, right? They believe, and the, the Klaus Schwab's and the Bill Gates and the rest of them, they believe that they are going to be able to, at some point, because of the, the rate of geometric progression on the you know technology and development, they're going to be able to upload their consciousness into the new AI systems. Yeah, and that, that can be that can be the only possible answer. You know, yes. it's like um, Conan Doyle uh, wrote for Sherlock Holmes. Once you've eliminated... Uh, Once you've it, eliminated the, all of the possibilities, the only thing that remains is has to be the truth. Yeah. Or and, something to that I, effect. Is, is so, what something to that effect. And I, I cannot think of any other reason why they would be pushing for this unless it was because somehow they've got this vision of immortality because they are self-centered narcissistic sociopathic types and so it has to be about them it's not about uh, humanity they do not give a fat rat's ass about humanity it has to be about them and maybe their offspring but so this concept of somehow uploading themselves into uh, the, this this AI hive intelligence has to be what they're it thinking. It sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. But I, I'm like I said, I, I've heard that theory before, and I have to, as a you know somebody with the mindset that I've got, I have to lend it credence. I have to consider it a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I I can't say one way or another, but it's it's something that we have to consider. I'm just trying, constantly trying to search for plausible reasons why our world leaders, why our oligarchs, our plutocrats are making these decisions. And it, it's got to be down to something that they're going to get out of it because it's it's not for esoteric, um, what's the other word I'm looking for, Phil philanthropic reasons. Well, I know what they're going to get, uh, and it's, it's going to be what... Um uh, what's his name? Yuri Bezmanov said, "You're going to get lined up against the wall and shot <laughs> because well, yeah. when those when those other forces that you've done business with finally come to power, they are not going to need you anymore, uh, and that's going to be the end of them." So that's that's my take on it. I, I'm I'm with Yuri on that one. I think he he called it. Yeah, I say I did the other day. It just shows how fair-minded I can be because I I was questioning whether or not we're being unfair to billionaires. I question whether or not we're being unfair to Noah Harari for simply stating a fact that 
if things progress the way they are, there are going to be an awful lot of people without purpose. His term, all these useless people, probably would have been phrased better if English was his first language. So you've got to cut him a break there. It may just be that that's the fastest and most accurate way he could translate what he was trying to get across. I'm not even sure what... Is, 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 he is Israeli, isn't he? He is Israeli, yes. I yeah. believe uh, Yiddish is his, uh, his language, I, I believe. So, but, you know, anyway. we, um, we, we, we do have to try and be fair-minded. We do. We do indeed. All right. Uh, let's... I'll show you that in post. Um, let's um, let's go ahead and wrap up here. Do you have any final uh, words before you get away? We are going to do a, a roundtable tomorrow to be myself, you, and Ned, and it will it will come out on Saturday. We're not going to wait until Monday because obviously the, the Christmas holiday, but it will be out on Saturday uh, for those that are uh, that are interested in, in listening to it. So, and then we're going to take a, a break for Christmas. So, yeah, uh, the only thing I want to round up on is I'm a really really annoyed with these two pranksters who made uh, Suella Braverman look an absolute twat by getting her to go to the opening of a small boat. When you consider that she lost her role as Home Secretary because of her stance on the small boat illegal migration, these two lads from near here, because Suella Braverman is a is a local MP to me, she turned up and they filmed her going down to this little jetty, which is about three miles that away. And of course, it was all, all a big prank. I'm annoyed with them because first of all, they're obviously wokeists who think that someone who's taken a stance against illegal migration needs to be made fun of. I'm annoyed with them because they've made me feel sorry for for a corrupt Tory who doesn't deserve any of my sympathy. So whilst I found the prank amusing, I'm also quite annoyed at myself for feeling sympathy towards a corrupt Tory and enjoying something that two wokeists I'd gladly welcome as many immigrants into this country as want to come type people. Very well. We will see you tomorrow on the exclusive roundtable. Well, it's been a great pleasure, my friend. As I said, I will see you tomorrow. So we will go ahead and call this one done. Thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.